Hey MSA, today's a podcast kind of day, so sit back, relax, and let the voices of the unheard take it away. Assalamualaikum everybody and welcome to our second episode of the podcast. I hope you are excited for this episode because we sure are. <laughs> My name is Faryal and today we have two of our hosts, Fatima H. Salam everyone. You missed me in the last podcast but I'm here this time. And Fatima A. Hi guys. Assalamualaikum. I hope you all are doing well and I'm excited to be here. And for our very special guest for today, we have Iman Qureshi. Assalamualaikum everyone. My name is Iman Qureshi. I'm a second year business student in the commerce program, and I'm very happy to be here. And we're happy to have you here. All right. So for today's topic, we'll be discussing modesty in our community and basically fitting in as a Muslim. Iman, you can take it away. All right. So alaikum, everyone. Today, I want to talk about modesty. And I also want to be able to encourage our Muslim brothers and sisters um, in being modest, but I also want to touch on the topic of how modesty can sometimes be strange, especially in this Western society that we live in today. And when we feel strange, we can sometimes like this. This can really discourage us from pursuing a modest path. Um, and I re- wanted to share my journey as a hijabi, as a niqabi, and how um, I learned how to be more comfortable in being strange. And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I thank Allah for all the lessons that Allah has taught me through my life experiences because it has really made me more confident in being a niqabi and being a hijabi. And now, alhamdulillah, I'm at a point in my life where honestly, if I'm the only one in a gathering that's, you know, a niqabi or a hijabi or even a Muslim, alhamdulillah, it doesn't shake my faith that I'm strong enough to continue doing what I'm doing. And this kind of all started um, when I was much younger. Alhamdulillah, my family is someone who really, like they really like to move around a lot. So I've been to at at least eight different schools in my life. So I've been the new girl more times than I can think of. Honestly, it's and to the point where I'm now comfortable in being the new kid. But in the beginning, in the beginning, it was a little bit hard to be the new kid especially um, during my high school years. During elementary and middle school when you're younger, honestly, I cannot remember it being difficult and being new and being different because everyone just had like the same thought process of having fun, getting through the day at school, going home. But when I went to uh, high school, all of the courses, you know, they're obviously different. So every, all your classmates are different. And I also, um, the first high school that I've been to, I was like, second week in I was the new kid so I was a little bit nervous because you know I didn't get like that fresh fresh first day of high school I didn't get that fresh start so and I also didn't know anyone there so I knew that a lot of people already had connections from their middle school years and their elementary schools but I was in a different area so I had to make those connections and I like making friends so that wasn't that bad for me but I realized that the area that I moved into, it wasn't very diverse. In fact, it just recently started getting diverse. There was, I was the only Pakistani hijabi Muslim girl in a lot of my classes, which honestly made me feel a little bit like, oh, you know, a little bit different. I'm a little strange. Maybe people don't want to reach out to me. But nonetheless, I didn't let that stop me. I tried to reach out to other people. Alhamdulillah, I made some good friends. But what I realized was that 
even like when I met some later on, when I met a couple of other Muslim girls uh, who were younger than me in the other years, I realized that like it's not that my religion made me feel different from them. It was actually that other people weren't willing to be my friends. And I don't think it had anything to do with me being Muslim. I just think, I don't know, maybe in high school, everyone has their own established friend group. They um, already have their own like, you know, routine day to day. So no one really reaches out to you you know or ask you oh you know come and sit with lunch everyone's just doing their own thing so I kind of felt like at some point oh this is kind of weird you know I'm like I felt lonely and that's what really got to me and I feel that what the thing is being different isn't what really like if we're different from someone it's not what really makes it hard for us to be different is when we feel that we're really alone that no one is with us to you know um that no one is there to appreciate us maybe or um, agree with us in certain things or feel comfortable. I don't know. Do you girls kind of feel like this? Like sometimes you might be different, but the lack of yeah, another totally. person trying to reach out to you makes Iman, you feel a like, bit more like, lonely. That is so true. I feel like what you just said about like not even that being you're different. It's just like the feeling of alone. And it's like scientifically proven that like solitary confinement is like one of the worst type of punishment. So like, as humans we're so used to like connection talking to other people when we're alone that's when that's what's difficult for us and I think like as a Muslim like I think all of us have experienced a point in in our lives where like we felt alone because we're Muslim because we're different and I think um going through that makes us who we are makes us stronger makes our faith stronger as well so I totally get what you're saying yeah that's exactly it uh, Fatima, you took the words away from my mouth. I was just about to say that I feel like um being alone, I think it just makes us stronger. You know, it makes us realize that you don't, you know, like you don't need anyone to succeed in this world. At the end of the day, it's just about you and your relationship with God and how well you were able to um, make that relationship and how to make it better so you know if if you're able to overcome these obstacles I think you know I don't think there can be anything bigger that will put you down in a new environment and also just to add on in my opinion I think that like wearing the hijab being a niqabi is supposed to be difficult I think it's all a part of our test this dunya wasn't made for it to be easy for us you know so I think going through that phase of alone and you realize that at the end of the day, you truly have no one but Allah. So you only rely on him. You learn to not rely on other people. No, honestly, that's exactly it. Oh, sorry, Fatima, would you like to add? No, it's okay. I was just going to say with Iman, like I had almost the same experience because my family used to move a lot as well. And um, one time we moved to Barrie and this was like in back in grade six. And I remember like the principal of the school that I moved to, he was like, oh, you're the very first Muslim to ever like join the school. And I, at the beginning, I always like, I felt very lost because there was nobody even with the same skin tone as me. Cause it was a very like, um, it wasn't a very diverse, diverse area. And there was a lot of Caucasian people at the time, like in that area. So a lot of the people that I met, they didn't share the same religion as me. They didn't really, you know, share the same culture as me. So I always kind of felt different. 
And there was like this one really specific moment that I always remember. It was where we were, we were sitting in the library and then um, it was around Christmas time because a lot of them were uh, Christians and they used, they would like put up their Christmas trees and all that. So our librarian, like he asked a question, he was like, oh, do you guys have, do all of you guys have your Christmas trees up? Like, I'm not sure if he like didn't realize that I wasn't Christian or what, because everybody in the class, like they put their hands up except me. And I was like sitting right in the middle. And everybody was looking at me and they're like, oh, when are you going to put your tree up? What are you going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, I don't, I don't celebrate Christmas. And they were so shocked at that. And at that moment, I felt so different than everyone else. And I wasn't, and it wasn't that I was like ashamed of being Muslim. I didn't feel that in any way. I just felt lonely, like you said. And I feel like every Muslim experiencing some type of loneliness in a specific type of way, like Fatma said, it helps them become closer to Allah because they realize that that's the only true relationship that they can have at the end of the day like when we pass away we're only going to have ourselves you know we're not going to have our parents our friends like nobody else is going to be with us so I feel like like Fatma said having that connection or that experience really helps you become stronger as a Muslim because it it strengthens your your beliefs and your morals absolutely you said it really nicely Fatima honestly I really agree with you there because we came, I always remember I heard this from somewhere, but you know, from the womb to the tomb, you come into this world alone and you're going to leave this world alone. But like, I'm also, I'm sure that we've all heard that saying, you know, humans are social creatures. So that's why like, it's, it's not easy to be alone. You know, it's easier said than done, like saying that, you know, um, rely on Allah and you only need Allah. But I remember those years of my grade 10 and 11 years where I tried being friends with others, but, you know, uh, only like it wasn't even my religion, but just maybe like they just didn't want to be my friend. Maybe they just want to reach out to me. It wasn't like anyone was calling me for lunch. So I found myself eating lunch alone many of those days, going to the library alone and just, OK, I'm like, you know, I have all this time on my, you know, let me be productive. Let me use this time wisely. But my heart just wasn't in the studying sometimes. And then going home, it was just so tiring and then having to wake up and go to those same old days. It was really hard for me. And in those days, I realized, you know what? Truly, your family is what's so important because Alhamdulillah, I have like my younger siblings. Every day I would go home. They became my best friends during those years. And I'm like, you know what? Family is so important. I think there's like mercy Allah has put in these ties himself because no one will be able to care for you or love you as your family do. So honestly, I encourage everyone, try to have a really good relationship with your siblings because they are your best friends and they always will be. You know, with like a friend, it's so fragile, that relationship sometimes, because you say a wrong word, something happens, and that that relationship could be lost forever. But with siblings, at the end of the day, doesn't matter what you do, you could pull your hair out. But at the end of the day, you will always be related. You will always have each other's back. And that's what I really, you know, when I really started loving my family more, Allah taught me their values, subhanAllah, in those years. And also, when I was alone, I re- tried to co- I tried to connect with Allah more. And then, um, but I found it difficult. And then what happened is that in my grade 11 year, um, I found a couple of group of girls that were Muslim, right? And they were in like a year younger than me. They reached out to me first. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know they were Muslims. So we became friends. But the thing is, they, I'm not saying anything bad about them or anything. I, I still appreciate for them for reaching out to me. But even though they were Muslim, I just some things were just so different about us, you know, that... Uh, it's just, I, w- I didn't find myself to be in the highest of faith when I was around them. So 
Uh, and sometimes, you know, um, when they realized I was a little bit too religious on things, you know, a little bit too strict, or maybe every time I talked about something, it always led back to Islam, you know, maybe they kind of started distance them, themselves away from me. And I realized, you know what, I'd rather be alone than be among people who make me feel alone. And that's when I realized that, you know, loneliness, and it's so hard to say that, you know, loneliness is like something that's good for you, because in that moment, only the person who is alone really knows what it feels like. But I realized, you know, in that moment that when you're alone, that's when you truly realize that you only have Allah to depend upon and to rely on. That Allah is the only one who will love you, who will be there for you, who will understand you, you know. And so I remember like even talking to my sister about this, you know, saying that it's okay. You know, she we moved again after that into a new school and she didn't have any friends. So I was giving her advice and I was telling her that, you know what, you know, the most beloved people to Allah the prophets, a lot, there are moments in their life where they were entirely alone. Like if you recall Prophet Yusuf, السلام, he was, you know, torn away from his family. And then he was brought to a new a place, a strange place. And then even then after that, he was, you know, in jail, in prison for a number of years alone, only with Allah. And then I realized there was Prophet Ibrahim, السلام, who his entire tribe was against him. He must have felt so alienated from them. And then there was, you know, our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who from a young age, he was orphaned. And I realized, you know, Allah, at some point in your life, when you feel alone, it's really Allah trying to teach you that you should only to turn towards him and rely upon him. And he's the only one where you can really find that source of peace. And subhanAllah, now it's so interesting because now, like in my second year, that's when I really got involved in the MSA. I am so thankful for this brotherhood and the sisterhood that exists. And I'm like, you know, may Allah bless it for the generations to come because it's so beautiful how the deen is what unites us. It's not like, you know, all of us love the deen and that's exactly what unites us and that's what makes us strong. Um, and I want you guys to share your thoughts on that, honestly. I know I've ta talked a lot and I would like to hear, you know, your opinions on that. You know, I, I completely agree with almost everything you said. And I just want to reiterate that, you know, like you said, you are right. You know, there's beauty in being alone or in isolation. And I I really feel like, especially during, I think you talked about your high school time. I feel like in high school, we see so much haram, you know? Like it's better to stay away from that and better to not fit in with that because it's obviously going to lead you to the wrong path. I think that this way, you're you're becoming stronger, you know? You're preventing yourself from engaging with that haram. You know, we start seeing a lot of uh, people taking drugs or haram relationships or all of that so i feel like if you're if you're able to push through that your your faith is very strong and i think you mentioned um the few girls that you hung out with and you said that your faith didn't feel as strong around them and at one point you just left them i think that was like a very wise decision. A lot of people don't understand that, especially when they're in high school and they just continue doing all these things that the other people around them are doing. And they continue engaging in haram to a point where they kind of forget who they are and you know what their actual purpose is in life. And you just, you start seeing them doing all these like disgusting things in school that, you know, that don't align with our faith. And I think we're just better off um, away from engaging with all of that. 
Yeah, definitely. And just to add on to like the other perspective, it is so difficult to leave that situation as well. Like, like thinking about my own personal experiences in like, like the times I was alone in my life, like, it's exhausting being alone. Like, like, when you pray, like, I I would start crying, because like, I realized that only Allah was there and then I would feel better while I was praying but then I would go back and then it would just be the same feelings over and over and over again so it's not easy being alone and also like I think all of us have um, supportive families and friends who were there for us. But we also have to realize that there's so many people who don't have that. They don't have parents to tell them from like right from wrong and whatnot, you know. So uh, I don't think it's right to say that. um, I mean, it is good to leave that situation, but it's not always an easy decision. So I, I think like especially in the Western society, like we're exposed to so much haram that like it comes to a point where at least I like ask myself, like what truly is right and what truly is wrong? Because everyone is doing it. All these Muslim people are doing it. These non-Muslims are doing it. So you do get confused. And I think that's where the MSA, like the importance of like um, groups like this, like they come in. When you meet people who are there to tell you right from wrong, right? You grow as a person. You truly understand why, like, Allah has made this haram. And once you understand the why, then that's when leaving the situation becomes easy. Like, leaving those friends becomes easier. Leaving drugs, like, all, like, zina, like, that's when it becomes easier. But when you don't know why, you just, there's just rules being thrown at you. Then it's difficult, right? I just want to add like some commentary before we continue. See, this is why you should introduce your new friends to your mom because she figures out who's right and wrong before you do. Yeah, no, that's actually a good point. <laughs> the amount of times my parents have like told me like, oh, I have a bad feeling about this friend. And honestly, they were right. So absolutely. I agree with you. In fact, um, when I was younger, I also like it's really interesting, but I, um, I've also been like the only Pakistani Muslim hijabi kid, even through my elementary years everyone was just you know this Caucasian maybe maybe one African student that's it just me so I remember my mom telling me that you know what um make friends with good practicing Muslims and then I'd be like oh no but mom let me go to their house and stuff and like you know what there's a difference and you will I think even someone mentioned in the last podcast but there's like that um hadith uh where you or you are on the religion the religion of your friend so that you know the community that's around you that influences you is so important because it really shapes you as well so yeah you're you're right my mom used to do that too and it and it did shape me as a person I, I knew my boundaries from the beginning so you know what Fatima said that when you were raised in us in a household where you're not told right from wrong it is extremely difficult and um and because, because I guess it becomes like, then it becomes something that's out of your comfort zone. You know, when you're doing things that everyone else is doing, there's just so much more encouragement that way. When you're doing the wrong thing, there's so many other people that are doing the wrong thing. So it's easier for you to do it, feel less motivated to do the opposite of what they're doing. Because in turn, again, it makes you feel strange. And then it, again, leads us back to how we feel lonely. You know, when we feel strange, you feel lonely, feel like there's no one there. Exactly. That, that, that actually makes so much sense. And also just going back to like the topic of modesty. I think us as like girls, we're always bombarded by like um, family and like relatives about like how important it is to like dress modest, act modest. And I do agree that is important. But I don't think the conversation of like what's modest for men is ever talked about as well. Like, is that just me? 
No, I was just gonna say, I feel like even in like our culture, I feel like if we if we're not even looking at religion, there's a lot of expectations on women and how like they should dress, what they should do, how they should behave. And I feel like sometimes it's like we're manipulated into believing that it's part of our religion, even though it's culture that's sort of influencing these things. And even though in our religion, there's like restrictions for men as well, in terms of modesty and stuff, like Fatma said, like, they're not really discussed as often as are things like for women. So like wearing the hijab, wearing proper clothes, like everything I feel like is catered towards women and what they should be doing instead of like looking at men and like also telling them, hey, this is how you should behave. This is how you should act. And, you know, Allah has made rules for for both genders, like men and women. And they're both required to like cover different parts of their body like both required to like lower their gaze and whatnot and there's such things like you know how like men are not allowed to like wear silk gold and but these things are never talked about when I was growing up like uh I didn't know about this until I was like in like high school or something so I think it's such like it's so ironic how like women from like a very very young age are like just bombarded with like all these like rules that you have to follow right and 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 then with men it's just like okay like boys like go do whatever you want you know go like go out late at night and you know there's just very little restrictions it has I think it has a lot to do with the culture we're raised to like especially for you know Pakistani families a lot of what you said reminds me of just of not all of the Pakistani community but there is a good few communities out there that do this and I, it's just it is really culture you know what? I feel I feel really sad about this because then just like how as we just stated women end up feeling attacked right they end up feeling pressured as if it's thrown on them not something that is their choice mm-hmm. and I, I feel so bad about that because really when and, and this is why as girls, we really need to encourage each other and show each other how, you know, to look at all these things in a positive light rather than the stereotypical kind of way. But if we show each other in a positive way, then that then that wanting to be modest comes comes from like within ourselves instead of mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that pull factor instead of push factor or something, you know, it comes from you and it's not someone forcing on you. And I think. Uh, your faith is a lot stronger when you're the one who makes the decision like someone Mm -hmm. can come in and they can tell you all they want but if you don't make the choice if you don't see it yourself it's not going to have that stronger impact not going to be able to change your life as much so interesting because that's how I got comfortable with wearing the niqab like it's so funny because wearing the hijab it's like um my parents like kind of just told me at a young age my mom wore the hijab like you know when you're older you have to wear the hijab too and I was like yeah okay meh about it kind of but when I started wearing the niqab it's interesting because no one in my family really told me to do it in fact when I started wearing it my parents were a little bit kind of like awkward about it they're kind of like oh you sure are you sure do you have to wear the niqab you know uh you're so young you have so much time you know you can wear it when you're married or or like you know comments like oh now you look so old you should be a bit more stylish and you know this kind of taking the style away and I was so surprised it's like there's like a level even like I guess culturally like a level to be accepted if you go a bit too far people are going to come at you if you go a little bit too under that level people are going to still come at you so it's so interesting and I found that so funny but because I was okay because like of what happened like throughout my high school years I became so comfortable with, you know, it's okay if I am a bit strange. It's okay if I feel lonely. It's fine. Like, it's nothing I haven't done before. Wearing the niqab was easier for me, alhamdulillah. It gave me more confidence. I was like, it's okay. Honestly, no one really has to agree. 
with what I think. You don't really have to see my way of thinking. I'm doing this because it's for Allah. And I think we should encourage other, you know, sisters to really do that too. Like it just, you know, whatever people say, just block that out of your mind. It's really hard. But really just think about you and Allah. Think about why you started it and it makes you easier to keep going. I completely agree. If you force your children to religion at a very young age in a really harsh manner without telling them like the why or the reasons behind like specific protocols like wearing the hijab or praying namaz and fasting and stuff I feel like they're just raised without really understanding why they're doing what they're doing and at the end of the day I feel like it takes them further away from it if you if you know what I mean so I feel like it's really important to explain the reasons behind why there are certain rules in Islam so that they can sort of make that decision like Iman said for themselves instead of just following orders from what their parents are telling them to do you know just to um add on to that i i completely agree with what you just said and i i really think that i don't know i feel like if you if you force something on someone you never really discover like the true beauty of it like the person doesn't discover the true beauty of it themselves and i really see it especially like pakistani culture like how many of us have seen like their parents or like other um, parents tell their kids to memorize this memorize that but do you know what you're memorizing do you know what it's for or do you know what the meaning of it is do you know why you're memorizing it it's just always like a competition like oh this kid knows this many surahs why don't you know this one this kid knows this from the quran why don't you know this you know so i think it's it's really like a self-discovery path and you need to i feel like once you know the meaning of all of these things it's so much more easy to memorize it to understand it to apply it in your daily life and um just going back to um the cultural things that Iman was talking about, I think, again, like, culture may also, like, play a role in it. I know, especially in Pakistani culture, again, like I said, we see a lot of um, how much of this do you know? How much of that do you know? So funny to me how you're just talking about this, how parents put so much pressure, especially in Pakistani culture. I don't know about other cultures, but since I've experienced and seen this with my own eyes and like I've heard it with my own ears, parents force their kids to memorize so much of the Quran without like any like any understanding. And then it's so hypocritical and ironic when you go wear a hijab at like a wedding. Aunties are like, why are you wearing that here? You know, like for you, you mentioned this last time as well. It's so like it clearly just shows that like it's all culture and like trying to be better than so and so but we never really like understand that we're all brothers and sisters at the end of the day it's not about i'm going to be higher than for y'all or i'm going to be higher than iman it's it's the fact that no like me for y'all and iman and fatma are going to be at the top we're going to help each other get to a point where we're all like happy and like we're all like good Muslims and like we understand the meaning of Islam and like and when you do start to understand Islam you fall in love with it when you understand one thing it's like Allah put something in you that you want to keep going you want to keep memorizing you want to keep understanding every little aspect we can all try to be better Muslims in one way or the other so I think it's a it's a lifelong journey. Oh my god, I think I just remembered what I was going to say when you mentioned that thing about aunties and hypocrisy. You know, again, see, what is this memorizing doing for us? I'm going to encounter some auntie that's going to tell me that, oh, why are you wearing the hijab? 
why are you acting this way you don't need to do this so like what is all this memorizing doing for you at the end you know you've memorized all of this okay great how much of it are you actually acting on I think Iman mentioned this where um, I think her parents were skeptical about her wearing the niqab you know I, I completely feel that and I even mentioned this during um, the last podcast and I talked about how this one auntie from my own family came up to me and said that why are you wearing the hijab she literally I, I was choosing my outfit okay and I put my hijab down beside it and she came and she took it away she's like no you're not gonna wear that and you know that just really hurt inside so I I really think again it might also come down to culture and what's culturally accepted um also since we are on the topic of culture um i just want to tie it back to modesty um i don't know about other cultures but for pakistani culture i i love eat shopping guys i love looking at new outfits seeing what's trending but nowadays what i see trending in pakistan are literally such shameless dresses like their sleeves cut off it's like there's no sleeves on it or your back's cut out like why is that even being sold in pakistan i don't don't understand it's literally the islamic republic of pakistan so please sell dresses that are modest enough for our muslim population to wear oh my god Fario, i cannot like <laughs> this topic oh my god the amount of times me and my sisters talk about this and rant about it for hours is just i cannot explain it but you're absolutely right and honestly i think it has so much to do with the social media of Pakistan. It's crazy that, you know, how you said like um, that hypocrisy, I feel like it also ties in with this, that hypocrisy that, uh, you know, you find some aunties doing like making their son memorize this many surahs and then telling another daughter, why are you wearing the hijab? I think it all comes down to your intention as a Muslim about the things that you do. Thing is, because Pakistan is a, you know, Muslim country, majority Muslim country, everyone's a Muslim. You all just, at some point, I feel like everyone just agrees, okay, you know, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and and then they don't really sit down to teach themselves what that really means. It's like a consensus we have, but then we don't really, for ourselves, you know, do that self-discovery of trying to learn what each aspect of Islam means. And so people then get fooled by everything they see on social media, because even if, oh my goodness, Pakistani dramas, if you see them, they're all Muslim actors, everyone's Muslim, the drama will be based on a Muslim family, but everything they do is un-Islamic. The dresses they wear, they're so Western, the way they talk, how how close the guys and the girls stand to each other. It's all un-Islamic. And then we put it on these big screen TVs and we're sitting down and we watch them. And it's that in itself is just so much hypocrisy. Like, it's just so weird. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I know you just brought the um, drama thing up right now. And I remember I saw this one, like, news report. And, like, this one drama, I don't know what it was, like, what it was about, got a lot of backlash. And it was, like, um, a girl, like, praying, like, and she had one of, you know, in Pakistani dresses, there was those, like, really thin, um, like, dubattas. She had that yeah, on her head and half of her hair was out. And a lot of people were like, what is going on? Like, that's so disrespectful. Like, we're all Muslims here, but we can't respect that. Like, okay, you have to have all your hair covered. You have to wear modest clothes when you, at least when you pray, right? I, I was so shocked. Like, I didn't even know that, like, how could a director, like, even, like, let this go on air? 
Okay, uh, not even just that. Okay, I personally, I love watching dramas, like socially acceptable dramas, you know, not like your typical dramas. I, I feel like some dramas are actually like good lessons to society and changing like the values and morals and breaking stereotypes. But other dramas, sometimes I I don't know, I, I feel embarrassed myself watching them, like the haram that goes on it, like how close like a guy or a girl is standing makes me uncomfortable while watching it. And you know, these are Pakistan dramas they're supposed to be like family friendly like i know so many families that sit down together just to watch a drama but what they're showing in these dramas is not okay and i like i'm sitting there flustered and embarrassed for them agree so much i'm getting excited i was gonna take another turn and talk about how um i feel like producing these things and putting these types of things in the media just encourages people to behave in that type of way more So it's like when girls like go on social media, if you go on Instagram and you see all these girls wearing these things and if they share the same nationality with you or they're they're Muslim and you see them doing it, you'll be like, oh, um, if this person's Muslim and they're doing it, I think it's acceptable if I do it too. And it's sort of like a brainwashing thing, I feel like, especially with little girls. Everyone now is like on social media and it's like unrestricted content and stuff and they can watch whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. They sort of get trans filtered into content that isn't, you know, isn't appropriate, but it's like they're made to believe that it is like they're accepting it because they see it so much, even though that's not what Islam is about or like the morals that it teaches that actually does make sense and also guys when you think about it like the west has such a big influence like i remember like this was back in grade nine i believe when i went to pakistan and mm-hmm. i'm wearing shalwar kameez and then we're in like lahore at like the mall and like you see these girls with like really tight jeans and like crop tops and like i'm like wow this is like exactly like what i see in canada like at high school right uh what's the difference and everyone just wants to follow the trends and i think that's what people like that's what people's downfall is following other people without understanding i think at the end of the day like we all can agree that understanding islam like understanding your own actions is so important and when you don't understand why you're doing what you are like what you yourself are doing then like you're just a sheep following other people around yeah i completely agree i feel like when you have more people blindly sort of following like these trends and stuff without realizing what their religion is about then they don't understand how they should be acting or what they should be like wearing and how they should be behaving because it's just it's just based on like trends like you said and influencers and people that they like quote unquote look up to even though they're not good role models exactly you know and I think the saddest thing is that people in Pakistan, like these girls, they think what they're doing is correct. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of Muslim countries, I think we talked about this on like the last episode as well. A lot of Muslim countries, when you just say like, okay, I'm Muslim, you're just a Muslim by word. Yeah, exactly. So much, honestly, so much of like Islam puts education at such a high, you know, on such a high like pedestal almost like it's so important. Each one of us, like it is our responsibility to learn our deen for ourselves like just because we see influencers actors and like even if the country is muslim and the things that they show on their like channels even if it, like you know it all we need to really understand that it goes against islam and it's not okay just because muslims are doing it right honestly it's easy to follow the crowd it's really easy to do that because sometimes our desires kick in and we want to do it 
So our logic kind of goes out the window. We don't really pay too much attention to what we should be doing. We kind of just put more focus on what we want to be doing. And this is where we need to encourage each other to really study Islam and how important it is. Because I think Fatima mentioned it before, like when you learn about Islam, you honestly fall in love with it. Then this becomes your desire. No longer do you want to follow what p- girls in the dramas are wearing, what people at the malls are wearing. You want to follow what Allah has said because like, you fall in love with it so much. Bringing about back to modesty and dressing modestly, especially for our sisters. Like I guess this lesson could be applied to brothers as well. That when you set out to be modest for Allah, like, this is really important to have the niyat and the intention to really do it for Allah, you don't get discouraged. This is really what I want to tell a lot of sisters. Like even if you're starting the niqab, if you're starting the hijab, do not get discouraged because even if in the beginning your intention is, you know, I'm doing it for Allah, sometimes it will get hard. Like I remember in the when I started wearing the niqab, first week I told you like I was really motivated. And then after that, I was slowly, my motivation was declining. I was doubting it. I'm like, you know, I, these thoughts came to my mind. Like it's not even like photos. I don't, it's not, an obligation. I don't have to wear the niqab and I suddenly decide to wear it and I don't want to turn back on my decision that that won't make me feel good at all and you know I had these kind of thoughts but one thing that made me continue wearing the niqab and it's this amazing lesson I learned from a speaker who came to my high school back in grade nine and it's just this one thing I remembered from him and he wasn't a Muslim speaker or anything but I applied it you know to the Islamic context and I would like everyone to take this lesson as well if they can inshallah and it's basically when you want something, whatever it may be, whenever you have a goal and you take that first step into the world to try and achieve it, the speaker said life is going to kick you in the backside. It's going to really make it hard for you to achieve that goal. And you know what? It's not going to do that. Things aren't going to become hard for you because you know life isn't testing how much are you worthy of your goals. They're not trying to demotivate you either. Life isn't going to demotivate you. But why it tests you and makes it hard for you, it's only to test how much you actually want this. How much do you want to succeed in this goal? And like as a Muslim, Allah tests us too. You know, in the Quran, it comes like, do you really think that we, we can say we believe and we won't be tested, right? So Allah is going to test us too, just to see how much we really want it. And I think that's so beautiful because if we can kind of get, if we can like, it's like a storm. If we can get just get over this storm, the calm that comes after the storm, it's so tranquil and it gives you so much more confidence. Like in that fir- that after that first week when I started feeling really demotivated, I'm like, you know what? It's okay because why did I want to do this? I want to do it to please Allah. I always want to keep bettering myself in any aspect. So, you know, I can't go backwards. I want to keep moving forward. And I just hold on, even though I felt sometimes lonely, sometimes I felt really strange. I doubted my own, you know, decision, but I held on and I was patient, alhamdulillah. And then I started loving it. After that, you know, that tide passed over, I started loving it so much. And now like the whole world could tell me, take it off. And I wouldn't want to, because that's how much I've fallen in love with it. So really for all the sisters out there who's trying to do something, even the brothers trying to grow a beard or, you know, just you're trying to reach a goal. You set out to accomplish something for the sake of Allah Don't be demotivated when it gets hard. It's only a test to see how much you want it. If you want it, you will be patient with it. You will keep reminding yourself why you started it. And I I swear to you, it will get easy. Even Allah Allah says, you know, with hardship comes ease. It will be easy for you. You know, sometimes it's just that deception that, oh, no, it's too hard. I can't do it or I don't want to do it anymore. No, just just stick with it. Stick with your decision. Keep trying to please Allah and it will get easy for you. And you will end up falling in love with that thing. 
I love what you just said so much because you could apply to that in every single aspect of your life. Like your intention is so important. And I think like whatever we do, we always need to go back and think about like why we're doing what we're doing, right? Like what our intention is like, if I'm picking a career and like, I know that like it may harm someone and you know, like intention is so important. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember from, uh, I think it was the unity meeting that we had where um, there was this thing where they said that if you do something for the sake of Allah, if you're like trying to give up something bad, or if you're, if you're trying to overcome something, it's going to be a lot easier if your intentions are to please Allah only. So you'll get out of that situation easier than you would have if your intentions were in the wrong place. You know, so God sort of it paves a path for you if you take that first step. If you keep going, then it gets easier, inshallah. Absolutely. It's that, you know, you take one step towards Allah, Allah takes 10 towards you. Yeah, I love that saying so much. I always, this is a, a thought that always comes to my mind whenever like I'm in a bad situation or I'm just like, oh, God's never going to forgive me. I'm not a good person, not this. But you always see mercy. You always see mercy in everything. Like even if you don't want it, you're like, oh, I can't be forgiven or I don't deserve this. It's like, it's like thrown in your face. Like there's mercy everywhere. Like you can do so many different acts and like you'll be completely forgiven. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's always like this chance for you. Like it's not the end. Like you can keep going that sort of you know it's really motivating because I don't think like you see that in any other religion where it's like if you do something bad then oh you don't know what's gonna happen I feel like with Islam it's like all about mercy and forgiveness yeah and I think sorry I think it's also quick like quickly like I want to mention that like there's no such thing as like a point of no return like you can always come back to Allah right like no matter what you've done like Allah's mercy like is so widespread that Allah can forgive everything. So like people who are struggling with like even trying to dress modestly, like even like not even like close to like wearing the hijab, just trying to like cover up, like cover your arms, cover your legs. And I think that's okay. Like just baby steps and inshallah, like when you have the right intention, you will get there. Quickly, I just wanted to mention um, just off of the topic that Allah shows so much mercy. Um, I think there's a quote or a hadith, I'm not sure, but it says that uh, sinners that repent the most are the best of sinners. You know, we all make mistakes, but if we repent and we we genuinely show that we're guilty for it, we're always forgiven for it. And, you know, Allah shows a lot of mercy towards us when we actually feel bad for the things that we do. And, you know, I think we can take those as lessons and make ourselves better. You know, how else are you supposed to learn? You know, you don't you don't learn until you fall. Right. I just feel like if you never if if you never take that fall, you never know what it was like. You don't know what the consequences were. So I feel like, you know, even if you do commit a sin, you will see what was wrong out of it. And for your future, you know um, what not to do or where not to go wrong and, you know, how to act better and how to bring yourself closer to Allah. Absolutely. I agree with what you all said. Allah is so merciful. Allah wants you to come to his mercy and Allah is there to help you. That's why when we take one step, Allah takes 10. We walk, Allah runs, you know. It's just, subhanAllah, there is so much love, honestly, and mercy in 
even the things Allah has told us to do, a lot of those things, sometimes we don't see it, but really it's those things are for us because Allah loves us. They're like Even like, you know, you say wearing the hijab is hard or not listening to music is hard or such so such and such thing is very hard. But when we, uh, sometimes we don't see the benefits in it, but really there is wisdom in there. That, uh, Allah has told us to do all these things so we can become closer to Him, so we can receive His mercy and love. And honestly, it's like the best thing in life. You can have everything, but you know, if you don't have Allah's love or mercy, life is just so so fruitless. It's just, there's just there's nothing to it. You know what I mean? Mm, it's like there's no purpose. Not even just this life. I feel like a lot of the times we're thinking so much about this life and gaining the success, but I feel like we need to think more about like the hereafter and shape our actions towards a better hereafter and i feel like we should really gain allah's mercy for for our next life you know absolutely honestly this is such a good point and it reminded me of something that i didn't want to say in, in this podcast tonight and it was just that we really do have to think about the hereafter a lot because that's what's really going to motivate us and it and you know at times it's so interesting when i don't feel like i fit in with people when maybe i'm eating out that sometimes it's it's hard when you're in nikabi to eat out you feel so strange and sometimes you get frustrated and you know especially when you're really hungry on a day and you just can't eat properly and you get your nikab dirty and it's just you know, this thing's not going well, or you're trying to make the hijab and the it's not matching your outfit, or it's not really, or you go out and you feel weird because everyone else is dressed in a certain way and you feel like, oh, you're dressed kind of drabby or something. It's so interesting because I think that, you know what, Iman, it's okay. You might not fit in with these girls. You might not fit in with the Western girls, but just imagine if on that day, on that day in which there is no doubt fit in with the legendary women of Islam that like that's it if it's okay if you don't fit in with people in this world but you want to fit in with the righteous people on that day right you want to like you know all the you know there's Maryam alayhi salam there's Khatija anha you want to fit in with them and they were such glorious women mashallah and so and, and it's interesting because I remember this one time I we made my family went out and I, you know, it was one of the days I was finding it hard to wear the niqab. And I saw that, you know, my outfit doesn't look too good. I look kind of weird uh, amongst everyone. And then we decided, you know, let's go to the mosque and let's pray. And as soon as the car just rolled up to the front gates of the mosque, I felt so at peace. Like, I was like, this is my place. This is where I fit in. Like, there's no way I'm going to look weird in this setting. And I think it's so important because I feel like, I don't know if you guys ever had this when you were little. When you were little and you just wear whatever clothes and you go to the mosque, you'd be a bit like, oh, I should have brought my hijab today. Oh, why did I wear this short sleeve? I'm in the mosque. You know, so you feel a bit embarrassed, right? So I think that's like, it's like this natural fitra in us. I don't know. Have you guys ever felt that way? I, I definitely have. And I recently started wearing the hijab, right? And I still have like a lot of like half sleeve shirts and stuff. And I was sitting one day and I'm like, huh, can I wear this half sleeve shirt if I wear the hijab? And then I don't know, some part of me was just like this inner like feeling. I was like, no, no, it, it doesn't go together. If I'm going to be modest, I want to be modest all over, you know, I'm not going to go out wearing the hijab and half sleeves. But I, I remember some of like my friends when I was younger, obviously in like elementary and stuff they used to show up with like half sleeves and hijab so I completely understand what you're saying with going to the mosque and wearing something and realizing that oh this is kind of not right <laughs> right subhanallah and every time I saw like someone else wearing a baya I was like oh I wish I wore that instead and I was always you know we should always try to better ourselves always have like some sort of you know level that we're trying to reach like okay I like subhanallah you know I've, I've wearing the hijab now maybe I should try wearing this and maybe I should get more modest in this aspect so, yeah, but like, honestly, 
you might feel weird a bit, but I'm just waiting for that day where I do fit in. And I, you know, and, and that's where you want to fit in as well. Cause that's like the truth and that's the true beauty of life. So it's just, subhanAllah, it's just so, it's honestly beautiful. It definitely like the is. It. Yeah. Like I absolutely love what you just said about like having like that inner like voice telling you no, like, like it just feels like I feel embarrassed, right? Like that little voice. I absolutely love every single thing we've talked about today. Like genuinely, like, you know like you talked about how it's difficult it is difficult but you when you're with like-minded people right it becomes easier like every step just becomes easier to take so I'm really grateful for like Iman like coming on and like sharing your experiences and us just being able to talk about this like unfiltered no Jazakallah for having me as like your first guest I definitely feel very honored and I really hope that you know that at, like there is at least one thing that anyone can take away from what I've said. I really hope there's some baraka in it. Inshallah. And may Allah forgive us if any of us said anything wrong. I mean, I mean. Just to uh, end this podcast off, I just want to end off with a note. I just think that everyone should remember that everything in this world is temporary. So if you feel alone, you don't fit in. Just remember that it's all so temporary. The goodness that's going to come out of it is going to feel like so temporary. I think we've all felt this feeling when we get something we want. And then suddenly after three days, we're bored. It's just that that just reminds us how temporary everything is. All right, so I think we can end it off here. Iman, can you end us off with a closing dua, please? Yes, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Jazakallah for everyone that came out today, and Jazakallah for those who are listening. And we'll catch you in the next podcast, inshallah. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum.